listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number 327. Welcome to part three of the Channel Island Way series, sponsored by visitguernsey.com and based upon the guide, The Channel Island Way, published in 2011 by Coast Media. The book links together all the coastal walks around the islands of Alderney, Guernsey, Herm, Jersey and Sark to create a continual 110-mile route. We were invited by Visit Guernsey to walk sections of the guide and produce a series of podcasts about the journey, the islands and some of the people we met en route. You join us following a night on Sark after a very restful evening staying at the luxurious Stocks Hotel. When we arrived the previous day, we commuted via bicycle to key access points for different paths and spent the evening walking various sections from the guide around the north and east of the island. It is hard to imagine that such a unique and quiet place played out its own dramas during the Second World War. Of all the islands, it is probably the one with the least remaining German defences. However, in 1942, a daring commando raid took place, which ultimately affected Allied prisoners and commandos for the rest of the war. On the 3rd of October 1942, at about 12.30pm, 12 commandos from the small-scale raiding force, led by Major John Jeffrey Appleyard, landed on Sark. Their brief was to gain intelligence and capture prisoners for interrogation. The raiding party landed at Hogs Back between Derrible and Dixcart Bays and made their way inland toward La Jaspellerie where they expected to find German troops. At La Jaspellerie they found the recently widowed Mrs Frances Pittard who answered their questions and then directed them towards Dixcart Hotel. One of the commandos dispatched the sentry outside the hotel annex, and they went in. Inside they found five Germans asleep, and they captured them and left. Once the German troops, who had their hands tied but were not gagged, realised how few commandos there were, they began to raise the alarm. In the ensuing confusion, two Germans escaped, two were shot dead, and one who was wounded remained with the commandos. The commandos made their way back to the rendezvous and left Sark by motorised torpedo boat at around 3.45am. When Hitler discovered that the dead soldiers had been bound, he was furious and he sent an order to shackle 1,400 troops that had been captured at Dieppe. In retaliation, Britain chained an equal number of German prisoners held in Canada. Seeing that the situation could escalate, the Swiss government stepped in and proposed that both sides should simultaneously unchain their prisoners. The British did so, but the German government refused to until the British government gave an assurance that no prisoners of war would be shackled in future. Despite this assurance, some days later Hitler issued an order instructing his forces to kill any commandos captured in the future. A small memorial to Major Appleyard and his commandos can be found at the top of Dixcart Bay.
We've now made our way to Little Sark, uh, up to where the path and the book takes us past the old silver mines, uh, round to Port Gorey. It's a lovely day. I mean, it can't be, uh, it can't be knocked. There's a, there's a stiff breeze coming off the sea, and certainly we've passed um, various walkers who have uh, enjoyed uh, sitting around a sort of the common area there that overlooked the point uh, and just staring out at, uh, at life and the universe. The sun is, is beating down on us, which is a pleasant surprise to our recent uh, walking experiences in Scotland. And the, uh, the walking environment and the, and the path is very easy going, very gentle walking, lovely leisure walking. We were just saying on the way up, really, that the actual total route around Sark itself is is 10 miles, which for a serious walker would probably take them, you know, half a day to a day. But that's not what Sark's all about. Sark is much more uh, a relaxing experience. And you pass so many interesting little places and little um, uh, businesses like the chocolate factory we passed just on the way here uh, and some of the photo opportunities uh, that you wouldn't want to rush it because you'd spoil the, the whole essence of the place. So if you're um, somebody who's prepared to slow down and enjoy your walking or perhaps uh, bring company with you that hasn't got any great haste and you enjoy you know, all the various accommodation that Sark can offer, certainly this walk and this route is very, very easy going. Uh, we've cycled on the, the road sections between the walking sections but if you were walking those, they would take you a while and in the process you'd stop and talk to, to a lot of people on route. We've seen quite a few horse and carriages today which have been lovely uh, some people uh, obviously riding I was surprised how many tractors there were um, but it's still such a nice environment it's just practicality isn't it they've the buildings they do the refurbishment the, the materials they need to move around it has to be moved around somehow and understandably the tractor is the universal vehicle I mean we saw the emergency tractor yes. the, the one with doctor, with written, doctor on the written on the back <laughs> I don't know what class is an emergency here, but that's the, uh, that's the response vehicle. It's, it, it has a lovely charm to it and uh, definitely a place to take time to explore and enjoy. And although the, the path, the route mentioned in the book, takes in sort of the skirting the outer paths, uh, circumnavigation, if you like, of, of Sark, there are actually many, many paths that spring off that that I'm sure would lead you down interesting avenues. Yeah, you could do quite a combination, a few days' worth of walking on Sark very easily, just meandering and doing figures of eights and, and finding new little hamlets. It's very reminiscent in places of uh, Normandy with the high banks and the hedges and some of the buildings, and you can often just come around a corner and find a duck pond or a little low cottage tucked out of the wind and just, just really pleasant. And uh, on the note of uh, being pleasant, we've uh, been invited into lunch by La Sablonnaire Hotel, uh, which is on uh, Little Sark here. So we're going to make our way there and find out a bit more local history, I'm sure. You're listening to the theoutdoorsstation.co.uk. The home of UK-based audio and video podcasts for lovers of the great outdoors everywhere. Mineral exploration took place in Sark in the early 1830s. Copper, silver and lead and other minerals were found, but it was not until 1836 that a mine was sunk here at Port Gore on Little Sark. 
Over 200 Cornish miners were brought in, a 120-horsepower steam engine was installed and a narrow-gauge railway constructed. Four shafts, Sark's Hope, La Pelle's, Prince's and Vivian's, were sunk down to a depth of 180 metres and galleries run out, some under the seabed. Initially, the mine promised good returns, but as time went on, the quality of the ore declined and the seam became narrow. Overheads to run the mine were high. Coal had to be imported to run the steam engine, and once mined, the ore had to be sent by sea to be smelted. At the final audit, £34,000 had been spent to raise £4,000 of ore from the ground. One of the people most affected by this was Sark's seigneur, Ernest Le Palais, who had become seigneur on the death of his brother Pierre, who was drowned off the north of Le Pecurie Common in 1839. Like his brother, Ernest Le Palais had also invested heavily in the mining company. Eventually he went bankrupt and was forced to mortgage the fief to Jean Allaire, an ex-privateer and reputedly the richest man in Guernsey to raise £4,000. Ernest Le Pellet died in 1849 and the debt passed to his 19-year-old son and heir, Peter Carey Le Pellet. Unable to meet the interest payments, young Le Pellet was forced to hand over the fief to Jean Allaire's daughter, Marie Collins, who called in the debt when her father died in 1852. It is from this beginning that the present line of seigneurs is descended. Nearby is La Sablonnière Hotel. Elizabeth Perret is the owner. We're very fortunate to live down this part of the island. We all think so. My family uh, from the island and on my mother's side, right back from when Sark was first colonised in 1565, so the family goes way back I understand not only is the hotel obviously under your control, but there's also farms around as well? Yes, well, my mother and my brother have the farm, and they farm that, have 60 head of cattle, of which you'll have been having some of the produce at lunchtime, um, the cream, the butter, the milk. And then we also have extensive gardens, and uh, so we try to be as self-sufficient as possible. Your childhood must have been through, what do they call it, the Sark Lark, through those, the 70 years, the 60s and the 70s? It must have been an exciting time. It was fabulous. It was really good. And I think being a child on Sark is still great. It's like a natural playground. And uh, we were very lucky. We used to ride ponies to school. And it was fabulous. And real Enid Blyton experience, I suppose. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, the wildness of Sark, but also it's so safe. You know, there's never any problems, and if we didn't ride the pony, we would cycle. Uh, it's it's a lovely way and place for children too. Well, what's changed, if anything at all, has changed over the last what forty years? Well, I, I don't think a huge amount has changed. I, I don't want to see any more buildings going up on Sark. Thankfully, down here it hasn't. We've made the hotel and the accommodation far more comfortable because. People, when they come away, they don't want anything less comfortable than their own homes. In fact, they probably want better. So uh, we've done lots of renovation, gently, as you'll have seen. It's lovely and comfortable, yet um, it still keeps the original stone and lovely old beams and uh, what makes it still look like a, a farmhouse. 
I'd love to congratulate you on that because it has the character and age of a, of a quality farmhouse, but it has the spin of one foot in France and one foot in the UK, sort of country cottage, but at the top end. There's a lovely feel to your hotel. Oh, well, that's sweet of you to say. And I, I think the garden makes it so lovely, don't you? It's sort of nestled in these lovely gardens. Well, you've, you've got the best of everything, haven't you? Not only have you got sort of natural produce, which is right on your doorstep, and the providence of the, of the produce that you, that you serve can't have travelled more than a few miles, if that at all. And then you're surrounded by these wonderful opulent gardens with uh, a whole range of, of exotic plants here. And I'm sure your gardener is extremely proud of his garden. Oh, yes, we're very fortunate. We have lots of really good helpers, and they, they take it very seriously. There's a garden competition next week, and the effort they put into it, they, they really are terrific. The enthusiasm's wonderful. So tell me a bit about, about the actual the guests that you have. Everybody on Sark that I've spoken to that has accommodation seems to have uh, repeating guests, the same guests that come back year in, year out, and obviously over a period of time their children join them uh, and so on. But as we arrived here you were saying that you've got somebody there that comes back every year for the, what was it, the last 20 years or something? Oh, absolutely, and there are many people like that. I would say 80% of our guests return each year. And some of them have been coming back, oh, that now we have three, in fact, next week, and when the schools break up, we have three generations coming to stay, and, you know, they take up one of the lovely cottages, and there's 12 of them staying in there, and they'll have a raucous time, and yet they take all their meals in the hotel, and it works very well for them, and it's sort of like a family reunion, and... We've known them since their parents were probably the age of their children now, so oh, it's lovely. What a wonderful sequence. Yes, um, We found that uh, certainly, we've, well, even though we've only been here for 24 hours, we've, we've started to adjust our watches to Sark time. Uh, how do you find people spend their time when they come and stay with you for a long weekend or a week? Oh, they, they, well, a lot of people walk. Um, obviously, when it's warmer, it's a bit cool today, but they swim. Uh, most of the people are very interesting in flora and fauna, so bird watching takes a very important part. And then they often go around the island in the boat, in and out the caves, seeing all the various wildlife, and some go fishing, some go sailing. Oh, there's absolutely plenty to do. You can go climbing, and the time is just taken up with the lovely fresh air and... Uh, well, somehow go and see the dark skies at night. That's mm. become quite popular. And uh, isn't it wonderful? You see, we have some of the, probably in the world, the best dark skies yeah. because of not having any street lighting or... Yeah, although I think that's going to, do, to develop into quite a big marketplace, actually, for for uh, for people who have never seen the sky at night without pollution, as you say. And to be given that award is, is, is something very unique. I think it's something that should be treasured. It's fabulous. The starlit night. It, 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 the stars here are just terrific. As I walk home, as I live, I've got a little cottage down on the cliff, and the skies at night, they are just fabulous. It's quite, it's, it's become, people, for years people have been interested in that. We have a lot of people that are keen on astrology, and um, they come back partly for that too. And then there's the wonderful shoreline. We have large tides here, mm. so the shoreline is, is well worth, you know, all sorts of things. And, oh, people go fishing sometimes, go and see the fishermen picking up the crabs and lobsters in the morning. And... I was going to ask you about that because obviously the seafood you have, I understand Sark has their own their own fishermen. Oh, very much so, yes. You'll have seen on the menu mm. and uh, you saw the lobsters people oh, were having at lunchtime. Glory. Glorious mm. lobsters, weren't they? And so you, you obviously you have your produce daily. 
Fresh. Oh, daily, absolutely. You certainly can't have fresh air. No. It's straight out of the sea or straight from the farm or the gardens. And we're very fortunate. We've got some very good chefs. We've got a Michelin star chef. And, you know, he's worked here a long time now. And, you know, each year he's got lots of bright ideas. I think, oh, that's fabulous. Well, I have to say thank you very much indeed for a glorious lunch. It was, it was superb. And uh, my congratulations to everybody involved in, in the preparation of that. It was uh, greatly appreciated. Thank you for that. Now, you say you're open or you're closed at certain times of the year. So, so when do you open? We always reopen the Wednesday before Easter and we close the second Monday of October. Well, this year, we've actually opened, it's staying open a little bit longer because we've been asked to do a very special private party. So we'll be one week later closing, but um, that is generally what we do. And, and uh, is there a sort of a general um, type of a visitor that you particularly attract to, to your hotel? Well, I don't think so, really. It's quite amazing. Well, obviously, it's people who love the sort of the peaceful tranquility and um, the flora and fauna. But we do have people from all walks of life. It's really a very interesting little area. And like I've said before, it's a convivial corner of a lovely island. And in the little bar where you arrive mm. with the log fire, many very interesting conversations Well, I was thinking, you, the sort of clientele you must have, I mean, sure, most evenings of conversation must be very wide and varied. Very interesting. We have the most interesting people. And also sometimes we have the odd musician musicians so we have music singing and it just evolves it's never planned just one person might sort of say something or bring their guitar or somebody else play a little bit on the piano and it can be very terrific and some people are actual stars some of them you know work for in opera in london or somebody else is a folk singer and um we have next week we have a wonderful folk festival on sark and there are people coming from everywhere for us you know it's sort of like a mini glastonbury for sark yes <laughs> well i saw the list there's about 30 odd names on there it's yeah, superb it so, and, uh, so we have some of the people who came last year some of the uh, uh musicians stay here and it's terrific i didn't even have time to go to the festival because they play a little at breakfast and somebody else plays a little at lunch and same in the evening and we find we're all being entertained on the lawn. <laughs> wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. If there's one thing that's, that strikes me about Little Sark, is obviously that you're probably the furthest place away from the harbour. So do people take the tractor, as it were, from the harbour here, or have you got some other way of getting people here? No. My, my brother meets the guests down at the harbour and brings them up to the top of the hill, continues here with the luggage, but we have the horse and carriage waiting to bring them here from the top of the hill after the steep um, climb um, they go from the trailer onto the horse, uh, onto the carriage which is really rather lovely and then they just you know clip clop down here through the leafy lanes and I guess really it's the beginning of the holiday really it's something they'd have probably done in their childhood and uh, I think that all helps to make them relax and and make them slow down, I'm sure. And the stresses are washed away just gradually. We have people who turn up and they're sometimes really very stressed, but within a few days, they're different people and they go away. Oh, we've got to come back. We feel so much better. It's something, you know, it's, they're away from the rat race and they can switch off. You're listening to the award winning UK Business Podcaster of the Year. The home of UK-based audio and video podcasts for lovers of the great outdoors everywhere. 
Podcasts are based solely around self-powered travel. This is the Outdoor Station. Well, our 24 hours on Sark is slowly drawing to an end as we join a gaggle of other people all heading down for the 4 o'clock ferry as we leave from the uh, harbour. And it's been an enjoyable, very, very enjoyable 24 hours. But I think, to be fair, uh, as much as we might have looked at the, uh, the Channel Island Way book and thought, well, we could do that in a day quite easily, to be fair to, to Sark, you would want to allow yourself at least two or three days to enjoy it in comfort and to appreciate everything and the value that Sark has to offer. We've covered all points, really. We haven't done the walk completely, but we've certainly done sections of the walk in the north part, on the east and the west, and then finally down in the south at Little Sark. And it's been glorious, but I think probably the most interesting part of our, our trip, certainly for us, is, has been the flashpacking. certainly has been. Stocks Hotel, uh, having just recently been refurbished, um, was just gorgeous. Uh, the attention to detail was fabulous, uh, just from fresh flowers in the room and whole, homemade shortbread to turning back of the covers and just truly luxurious. Felt very privileged. Huge bed. <laughs> so very privileged and fantastic breakfast in the morning. Very attentive staff. It was just, uh, yes, true luxury. And when you compare that to the, uh, I suppose, older luxury that's uh, on Little Sark from, from that hotel, uh, again, a wonderful hostess. Elizabeth was just terrific, a terrific character, but uh, it's the same attention to detail, but in a, in a slightly different atmosphere. Yes, much more sort of bijou and uh, quirky, sort of quintessentially English, but with a sort of continental twist somehow. Um, with a Michelin-style um, chef, chef, just superb. Yes, the, the lobster, which apparently had been freshly caught this morning, was amazing yeah it was just a a truly gorgeous way to spend an hour or two so you can see why we're reluctant to leave with that sort of attentive detail and and luxury that we've been presented with it does make sark a very attractive uh, proposition to people Uh, but having said that as i say that's the flash packing end at the other end of the scale you do have uh, campsites uh, and you're once again within walking distance of everything that sark has to offer So uh, with a little bit of sadness, we're we're leaving Sark, but we're moving back to Guernsey now, uh, which will be our base for the next two or three days uh, before having a a day visit to Alderney. So on that note, we shall uh, wait for the ferry to arrive, collect our uh, rucksacks from hopefully the back of a trailer, which should be down here somewhere, and be off on the next leg of our journey. My thanks to everyone involved in this episode and to the sponsor of the Channel Island Way series, visit Guernsey.com. More information about the remarkable island of Sark can be found at sark.info and this includes travel to and from the island, accommodation booking, a diary for the year and of course details of the Dark Sky Award. Our guide, the Channel Island Way, is published by Channel Island Map Specialists, Coast Media, and written by Blue Badge Guide, Arthur Lamy. The book is available from Amazon.co.uk, priced at $9.95, and in visitor centres and book retailers throughout the islands. Join us next time as we return to Guernsey and start our walk around the island in the company of an accredited guide, learning more about the history, the beauty and the people who live there.
This sponsored programme has been brought to you by The Outdoor Station, the exciting new way to see and hear free information about the outdoors world. Visit our website, theoutdoorstation.co.uk, for more information. Thank you.